All right. It's a busy morning. I like busy mornings. I like busy mornings at church. Um, oftentimes we talk about um, how, you know, we only come to church mostly once a week these days. Back in the day, there used to be church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesdays. Just lots of opportunities to go to church. And that's, you know, just not how it is these days. So when we come, I just love to have a feast. I love to have it all. I don't want a snack, I want a feast. So I'm just thankful to be here with you this morning. I'm thankful to feast on the presence of God this morning with you. Um, If you haven't been here, we have been, um, Pastor Jason, Pastor Andy, myself, we've been preaching from the Sermon on the Mount. And um, we've been talking about prayer. And so I'm going to continue on with that this morning. And, uh, you know, I had all this idea of what I was going to speak on, and I was sleeping And the Lord just began to speak to me, as he does, he does, in my sleep. Um, And it's always toward the early morning hours. He probably wants me to wake up, but (laughs) that doesn't happen very often. Um, So he began to speak to me, and he began to just um, speak to my heart about the Lord's Prayer. So um, now if I were going to write a book on personal prayer, and I'd be the least qualified to do so, it would be titled, For Crying Out Loud. (laughs) Okay, here's why. Um, There's these two concepts that we've all through what I'm going to talk about today um, and what I've learned through 25 years of prayer. The first one is the posture of crying out. It's a posture of honesty. It's a posture of humility. It's a posture of desperation, but it's also a posture of faith because you're coming to God. So just to come to God requires faith. So there's this it's, it's a prayer of crying out. It's different than like a prayer of taking authority. It's a, it's a different type of prayer. Um, and then the second is the volume of your voice. It's pray out loud. You want to change your prayer life? Pray out loud. So the title for crying out loud, it just puts, you know, crying out and out loud together. Anyway, I'm not writing a book, just so you know. Um, but praying out loud forces you to engage all of your mind and your will and your emotions. It engages your tongue. It engages your ears. You hear your own heart spoken out loud, and it changes everything about how you pray. Such a huge difference in my prayer life and the effectiveness and the power of my prayer life by praying out loud. Um, But yeah, that's not at all what I'm preaching about today. That's just like the bonus. Um, I'm going to talk about the Lord's Prayer. And at each step of the Lord's Prayer, God is looking at the heart. So that's just this recurring theme as I'm talking this morning. God is looking at the heart of men and women. At every point in the prayer, we are called to look intently at the state of our belief and align it with what is true. And God sees deeply. He sees deeply and he's looking to bring us, he's always looking to bring us truth and freedom at the heart level, at the very core of our being. So, you know, there's a very big difference between what we say we believe and what we really believe. I'm going to say that again, a big difference between what we say we believe and what we really believe. God is the one who knows our true belief, and often we can't even see it. So for 20 plus years, I would have said, God loves you, God loves me. I could preach on it, I could talk about it, but Boy, it took years and years of sanctification, of renewing my mind to actually begin to live like God loved me, to actually begin to have God loves me as a filter that affected my life for the better. And it was a battle to get there. So that is what I mean when a, a, a true belief is not what you necessarily what you say. It's, it's how you live. It's what you believe so much that it, you act on it, that you act on it. I believe so much that if I were to fall off the stage, Jason would come running to my rescue. Now, he might not make it, and he might not catch me, so I'm not going to do it. But I have a true belief that he wouldn't hesitate for a second. If I was like, babe, I'm going to jump, and I, di- I went, he would be there. He would be there. In the grocery store sometimes, I just, he'll be grocery shopping with me, and I'll just be taking stuff, and I'll just be like, babe, and I just chuck it. <laughs> it's so much fun. <laughs> It is so much fun because I just wait till he's not paying attention and I'll just be like putting peanut butter in glass because it's not fun if there's no risk. (laughs) I just be putting peanut butter like, babe, and he catches it. I do it with the kids too, but I usually do like napkins and stuff. (laughs) 
if you're going to grocery shop with family, you might as well have a good time doing it. Okay. <laughs> so we're going to jump into the Lord's Prayer. I have no slides. I'm not a teacher, per se. There's always a bit of teaching in the preaching. I'm not a teacher. You know, um, if you've walked with the Lord for any amount of time, you know the Lord's Prayer. Um, but I am going to read it. I'm going to read it out of the King James Version because it's pretty and because it's poetic and because it's, I love it. Um, it's in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 to 13, and it says, After this manner, therefore pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And so we see here, we're at the Sermon of the Mount, we see Jesus and he's showing his disciples how to pray and he begins with our Father who art in heaven. And so often people get stuck just right there and people don't pray because they don't know the Father, because they don't know how to come to a Father. They don't know how to trust a Father. I find it interesting that God, out of all the descriptors, out of all the ways he could have presented himself to mankind, he chose Father. Get that. Understand that. He could have come as king, as, you know, I don't know. There's just so many descriptive words. There's so many ways he could have come to us, but he chose Father. And prior to Jesus, in the Old Testament, they didn't go to God as Father. That was not even, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, dudes, of the church, Pastor Andy, Pastor Jason, correct me if I'm wrong, but they did not, it was Jesus who came and presented that idea that God is my father in heaven, your father in heaven. So that's important because, so people get stuck there. Father was not for me a word that meant safety. It didn't mean security, consistency, and it took me a long time. And God was so patient with me as I worked to get there. And I did work to get there because my heart longed to believe the word of God, that he's loving and he's good, but I just wasn't, I just didn't know. I wanted to understand him as a good father and he showed me his faithfulness. I pressed in over and over and over and I wouldn't give up. And I had to learn through experience that God is good because I had so much experience that made me wonder. But once I began to, to experience his goodness, I began to see it then everywhere. And I began to see it even going backwards. Like back in my life, I began to look back and see the goodness of God with my own eyes. And I learned that he is a good father. He's the best father. And what, I, what helped me in this is I remember, I was actually, I mean, gosh, it must have been, we've been here 25 years. I want to say it was probably 20 years ago. And I was standing like five rows back and I was worshiping. And it was the first time that out loud I had told God that I loved him. Because it was so hard for me to say it. And in that moment, I saw how I had been relating to God through the filter of my earthly father, who I also loved, dearly loved him. But to relate to God through the filter of my very imperfect earthly father was unfair. And it was unjust to God himself. And it was not profitable to me. And it was a block. It was a block in my prayer life. It will be a block. I call it the father block. And a father block is nuanced and it's varied from person to person. But I feel like at the root of it is the question, is God good? Can God be trusted? Now I know with 100% certainty that he is the only way. There's only one way. And so if if, and I've always known, something in me has always known. And so if, if you know he is the only way, and yet you're not sure if he's good, and you're not sure if he can be trusted, it keeps this distance between you and the Father. It affects your prayer life. But I, So I came to understand, it, Liz, if he is the only way, then this block has got to go. It cannot stay. And I had to make up my mind that I will not be blocked from him. Nothing is going to keep me from God. Nothing. Not doubt, not the devil, not my own ignorance. I will not allow a block to stay. I will be tenacious. I will be unstoppable. I am going to get to God. And 
I knew the only way to get to God was through Jesus. Thank God for Jesus. I need to be in God's presence because I want to be healed. I want to be renewed and redeemed because more than anything, and this is me, this is who he made me to be, more than anything, I want to be a warrior for the kingdom. But I want to be equipped. I want to go out and kick butt and take names. I want to be a warrior for the kingdom who demolishes the works of darkness and the devil and demons, who pray and on, the, on the weak and they seek to enslave the people of God. They seek to enslave the people of the world who do not know God, but who he loves. And so that father block had to go. I had to settle the debate of whether or not God was good, and I settled it. God is good, church. God is good. He's not your earthly father. Some earthly fathers are fantastic, but they're not perfect. There's not a perfect one out there. And what I know and what I've learned is that you can raise children earnestly and so, so well. But if the enemy wants to get in there and get them to just hyper-focus on their hurt and their pain, he can twist them all up and turn you into the enemy. Like you, there's no perfect father. And the enemy is always working to put that block in place, to keep you at arm's length from, the, from God the Father. And so let us settle that in our mind that God is good. God can be trusted. Evil is evil. And I mean, I was 32 years old when I started putting this together. Evil is evil. Babies dying is evil. Car crashes are evil. Tragic death is evil. Cancer is evil. Abuse is evil. God is not in these things. They don't come from him. He is not in them. He doesn't, he doesn't give them in order to use them. Okay? Condemnation is evil. The spirit of religion, if you know me by now, you know I hate this one most of all, and I will talk about it and talk about it and talk about it. I will yank that filthy, slimy little thing by the ankles constantly and pull it into the light because it's nefarious, it's sneaky, it's ugly, and it's damaging to the body of Christ. The spirit of religion that says to people, you're not good enough. You need to do more. You need to be better. Tells people that's evil, that's not God. Shame. Shame says there's something wrong with you. There's something bad in you, and if people knew, if if people knew, they wouldn't love you. If if God really knew who you were, he just loves you because he has to. That was, he just loves you. I used to think that about my parents. Well, they just love me because they have to. I mean, it's shame, and it's got to go. It is not of God. Once I settled that on the inside of me, once I began to act on the true belief that God is good, always good, then everything began to change for me. And now I come to him as father. I come to him as a good and faithful father who are in heaven. It's like now, as, okay, so redemption takes time. The renewal of the mind takes time. As I was pressing into this, as I was working into this, um, it may have been messy on the outside to people who didn't have eyes to see my heart, but on the inside, my prayers were pressing into more effectiveness, more power. As we get closer to God the Father, our good, good Father, our, the power and the effectiveness of our prayers just begins to level up. So then we come to hallowed be thy name. Our Father who art in heaven. So much I've talked about it. We just only got that far. Hallowed be thy name. So we come face to face with who God is and who we are not. So this is a moment. Face to face with God. God, you are holy. You are worthy. You are perfect in all your ways. Righteous. Good. You are light and life. You are merciful and just. And so many people get stuck here. They get a block. There's a block here because they can't get past themselves. They're over, they get overwhelmed by their own sin. And I mean, if you stand in the presence of God, if you really stand honestly in the presence of God. But they get blocked by them, their own selves. They, they, um, I call it the condemnation block. And the spirit of condemnation will come upon them in that moment and rest on them so heavily. It's so deeply rooted that these poor people are drowning in shame and worthlessness. What they are missing... And what they are missing is this experiential understanding that above all, God is love. And love is Jesus. 
Because if you're standing in God's presence, you're really going to feel that. But Jesus allows us to stand in his presence. That's it. And they're missing out. They're missing that experientially. That God, who God is, does not rely on. It does not change based on who we are. His love for you, church, is not conditional. I wish someone would have looked into my little baby face and told me that. I wish I would have gotten that. I wish they would have told me that every day. Our value is not negotiable. We have a set value in the eyes of God, and it is not based on our behavior. I have found that many whose behavior has pushed them outside of the church have hearts that are crying out for God. They're crying out to be free, to be loved, to be seen. Their hearts cry out, won't somebody see me underneath this, the rot that has become my life? Thank you, Jesus, that God is the God who sees. In 1 Samuel 16, the Lord says to Samuel, for the Lord does not see as man sees. The, the man, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Thank you, Jesus, that it is not my rap sheet that determines your love for me. Thank you, Jesus, that it is not my report card of good behavior that has anything to do with heaven as my home or righteousness being mine because I would never qualify. But as it is, but as it is, I qualify because of Jesus. And it's like the secret sauce. I like, you know, I love to, we, we do marriage things like the secret sauce of a happy marriage. The Ackerman secret sauce to parenting. It's just goofy. There is no secret and it is not sauce. But the secret sauce for me is that whatever state I'm in, whatever, don't, don't laugh at me, Erica. Secret sauce, you want some of this secret sauce. It's awesome. The secret sauce is this, whatever state I'm in, whatever mess, Whatever it is that I've done 10 years ago, two years ago, last week, or this morning, whatever ways that I am deficient, insufficient, weak, failing, or disappointing to myself or to y'all, to others, to whoever, in whatever state that I might be in, I belong to Jesus. I'm free. I belong to Jesus. If I'm a problem, then I'm his problem. If I'm a mess, then I'm his mess. If I'm awesome, it's his awesomeness. If I perform gloriously in a situation, then it's his glory. And if there is anything good or even remotely worthy of praise, then it is all Jesus. I call it the secret sauce, but it's not a secret. It's a faith. It's a true belief that binds me to Jesus. And it was my saving grace. This is me all these years. This is what got me from point A to here. As unlikely as it would seem. Gosh, if you knew me as a teenager. This true belief that just tethers me to Jesus. Good, bad, ugly, phenomenal it just tethers me back to Jesus it cuts through sin it cuts through condemnation it breaks every chain and it always leads me back to Jesus and I call this my loop of freedom and I just live it I just loop back to Jesus over and over and over and over again at the times when I'm doing phenomenal, I'm on the mountaintop and like everything is going good. Man, my house is in order. My kids are obedient. My husband and I, were getting along. The church is thrilled with like the last thing I said or did. I just loop back around. I loop back around to Jesus. And I know, whew, thank you, Jesus, that you are working in me and through me. And I know now. I know that the, the degree to which I stand confidently in his love is the degree to which I can stand in authority over the works of the devil. The degree to which I stand confidently in his love is the degree to which I have power to speak the name of Jesus and see people healed and see people set free. The degree to which I'm rooted and grounded in his truth, the truth of his word and in his love is the degree that my prayers are then powerful and effective. 
So I've been pressing in. 25 years of hot mess pressing in, crying out. Just standing in the presence of God. Thank God for Jesus. Jesus is essential. People struggle to come into God's presence at hallowed be thy name because they have not learned that that loop of freedom, that's all Jesus. They get stuck in their own works. And if you try to come in to the, to the magnificence of who God is, if you're really in that presence and you're not rooted and grounded in Jesus, then yeah. That sense of shame, that sense of unworthy, of woe is me, woman of unclean lips, that's going to overcome me. You will be undone inside because he is so worthy. His glory and power is so overwhelming that we cannot stand in the presence of it but for Jesus. Some people are so wrapped in shame and so under the demon of condemnation that they get stuck here and then they try to pray. How many people have tried to pray? Trying is becoming a bad word in my home. If I'm trying to be nice, y'all are in big trouble. It's like code red, DEFCON 1. When I get to trying, she gonna blow. It's true. When I have given up, you're safe. I've given up. She's still in her pajamas at 6 p.m. She's not making dinner and she's, we're watching movies and cuddling. She's given up, but we're safe and loved. So trying gets me into trouble almost every time, truly. But they try to pray, they're, but their prayers are crippled by unbelief. And you know these prayers. I know these prayers. They're called the I suck prayers. That's what they're... I suck and I know you know it, God. I know you know it. He, does, he knows no such thing. He knows no such thing. They're the please help me prayers. You're so low. You're so done. You're so empty. God does not despise those prayers. He hears those prayers. He does not despise them. I think about Luke chapter 18 where we see the prayer of the Pharisee and the prayer of the tax collector. This is one of my favorite passages of scripture. I'm going to read it. It's in Luke chapter 18, verses 9 to 14. It says, Also he spoke this, Jesus spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and they despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. He prayed with himself. Yeah, he did. God, I thank you that I am not like those other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, those Republicans, those Democrats. Oh, thank God I'm not like them. That's not in there. I added that because election year is coming or is here. I'm not even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give all tithes of all that I possess. But the tax collector, so that was his prayer. The tax collector standing afar off would not even so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but he beat his breast saying, God, be merciful on me, a sinner. Has anyone prayed that prayer? I love that prayer. God, be merciful. Be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, Jesus said, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. You see, honesty before God is essential. Humility before God is essential. He sees right through to the heart. You can't pull one over on him. An honest prayer, a humble prayer, is one that will move the heart of God. Because God looks at the heart. It's like man, man looks at behavior in order to diagnose the heart. Like the only way we know how to operate is to read behavior like signs and signals. As to like where the heart is. But with the complexity of humanity and trauma and hurt and brokenness, out of these things come behaviors that are destructive. As is church, we need to have eyes that can see beyond what is on the outside, see beyond the behaviors and into the posture of one's heart before God. In all of my wretched past, my heart longed to be loved. My soul cried out to know him. I just didn't understand I didn't understand, God, why is there so much pain and how on earth do I make it stop? I didn't care about anything else, just make it stop. I didn't know that he was good. I didn't know that I could trust him. I was so uncertain and I was very, very afraid of God. 
I felt like he was mad at me, that he was changeable, that he loved me one moment and then hated me the next. Think on that, church. Think on what it feels like to be fully, fully convinced that God hates you. I pray that you have never felt that, but I can promise you there are people in this room that have felt it or feel it now. And I guarantee you there's people in the world. It is a dark and a hopeless state. But for me, I am so thankful for Jesus because there was light inside of me. There was this speck. And I'm telling you, sometimes it was like just the smallest little speck of hope and of truth. It was the hope of Jesus. It was the hope that the prayer I prayed in third grade for Jesus to save me and the prayer I prayed at 14 to be baptized in the Holy Spirit with speaking in tongues, it was a hope that that hadn't gone away, that it was true, that it was true forever and I hadn't messed it up. What if it was really true? What if he really wanted me? What if he really was as good as he says he is? In spite of all the darkness in my life at that time, and in case you're curious, it was like between the ages of like 14 and 21. It was seven long years. And it really was from the ages of like zero to 21. It's like this block of time. In spite of um, all that darkness, I had this hope that was in me. I'm thankful for my father. I'm thankful for my mother because they brought Jesus. And all the other mess, they, they brought Jesus. I wish I could tell you that was like magic and everything changed. It didn't. It took forever. And there was so much garbage in the midst of it and in the mess of it. It takes time. It takes time for generations of sin to be uprooted and for behaviors to change. So at that point, even though my behavior was so unacceptable to myself and to those around me, there was hope. And during that time, we were in a great church, but there was only a small handful of people who I felt could really see me. That, that could really see me and that they treated me well despite my, the outward appearance, despite that I was smoking outside the, the youth, you know, youth group night, and despite the fact that I'd wear tops where my tattoo would show and my belly button would be pure, you know, despite all the outward things, it felt like they could see me. Are we a church that can see as God sees? Will the broken and wounded hearts who are seeking Jesus find grace and space here to come and know his love. I don't want to be moved and fearful by what I see on the outside. I don't want to fail to show the love of Jesus. I want to have eyes that see the broken-hearted soul crying out for God. And I'll take a minute to say I'm not saying that sin is a-okay. I'm not saying that outward behavior counts for nothing or that it should go unchecked you know, forever and ever. I'm saying that God sees the heart. He sees from the beginning, the end to the, from the end of the beginning, the beginning to the end, and he's not afraid of the journey. He's not afraid, he has no doubt of the journey of sanctification. God is not interested in behavior modification. We're still at hallowed be thy name in case you wanted to know. We're standing in God's presence. He's not interested in us standing there with behavior modification and a self-righteous heart. He's interested in an earnest heart. He knows that the behavior is going to change. It's going to, that behavior change is going to flow out of a heart that is loved, out of a heart that is redeemed. He knows that those who have been forgiven much love much. And heck, once we get a hold of it, we will be a beast for the kingdom. <laughs> once, once the ones of us who struggle, gosh, if you can get us to really believe, and I think that's why the enemy comes after it so hard with us. Because he knows, gosh, if this girl gets a hold of this man, she's going to get to a pulpit one day and she's going to tell on me. The devil's like, she's going to tell. Heck yeah, I am. God looks at the heart. He's not afraid of the outward mess. He's not intimidated by sin whose presence has received an eviction notice. It's only a matter of time. But he sees the heart first. And so coming to God through prayer, in prayer can only be done through Jesus and it's, they get stuck at our Father, they get stuck at hallowed be thy name. But when you finally get to that point, when you begin to perceive the, the, the character of God and you apply Jesus, all you can do at that moment in that prayer is worship. If you really just take a minute when you're praying to focus in on Father, on who he is, on his goodness, God, you are so good. I feel like I start prayers all the same way. When I was young, it was, um, dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. 
It was always, I thank you for this day. I mean, I don't know. It was just like the start of the prayer. If you have kids, dear God, I thank you for this day. Um, and now, as an adult, I listen to myself, and I think I start every prayer with, Heavenly Father, God, we just love you so much. It's like I just want him to know. I just love you so much. <laughs> um, but in his presence, so you get to the Our Father, and you get to how you are so good. You are so good. And it just pours out as worship. And it is here. It's in worship that in my life, I began to be transformed. I began to be transformed. It's in worship. And I love worship because it's very concrete. I am the worshiper. And he is who is worshiped. There's no confusion. And he will receive my worship because of Jesus. And somehow, man, I I made sense of that right quick. That worked for me. I really began to believe in Jesus. I really began that the word of, began to believe that the word of God was true and that it was the blood of Jesus that made me clean and not all the striving to clean myself up. Now, at this point, Monday through Saturday, I couldn't make anything work for me. I couldn't get myself to think right. I couldn't get myself to believe right. I couldn't get myself to do right and to make right choices because redemption takes time. Because renewing of the mind takes so much time. And it takes suffering. And it takes struggle. And I'm so thankful I was able to worship because I would show up. It's what brought me to church every Sunday was worship. And I love Grubby. I love, I love the pastor that God put me under with so much love. More than I could ever say. I pray for him now. He's in his 70s. He is active in mentoring us and being a part of our lives. And it's crazy because I'll just be doing dishes. And I pray, God, please let us have him for so much longer. God, protect him. Protect him and Trish. Keep them. I'm, I don't even, we don't even talk to them that much, but just knowing that he's here. Because he's a man of truth and he's a man of grace. Real grace. So I'm thankful for, for worship and the worship of my church, my home church, because I... I kept coming, but I submitted to the struggle and I submitted to the suffering and there was a true and growing faith in me that tethered me to Jesus. And so I just stay looped into Jesus. And it's here in that his hollowed presence that our lives begin to be changed and transformed. And this is a really, very real strategy in my life that operated this morning, last night, Woke up with a headache this morning. Did not make some good choices with my time yesterday. And I just woke up with all this. And I could hear the Lord do the message. Live the message. I was like, okay. So it's a very real strategy in my life that I loop back into Jesus. The good, the bad, all of it. I loop back into Jesus. And what that looks like for me is that I go to Jesus with every issue and every care. I try to do it out loud. But I'm off, I get snarky about it when I'm upset. I get snarky. It's not on purpose. I get that way when I get upset because I can't do it by myself. I'm like a toddler. It's often. I'm like a toddler. I just want to do it myself. Why can't I be capable? Why can't I be capable like Jason? He seems to be so capable. And I'm just always a hot mess, Lord, always having to pray. Like, oh, Lord, help me tie my shoe. You know? I get, that snark right there. Did you hear that? I get snarky. Um... Because I want to be capable and successful all by myself. Why do I got to go to Jesus all the time? You hear that. It's there. But I I have to relent. I submit to the truth over and over and over because it's all only Jesus. That pride, that ugliness, it's got to go. It's only Jesus. So as recently as last week, I have these conversations like, God, I was in the car. God, you see see me, right? You, You are paying attention. You see me. We are just flopping around like fish, Lord. Are you gonna help us? I mean, that's a conversation that your pastor had with God last week. You hear all that faith, all that power? What you hear is a woman who's honest and unafraid. And what an accomplishment for God. I think all of heaven rejoices. She's not afraid of you. She's not afraid. And because now, now even versus a few years ago, I am rooted and grounded in his love for me. So I know that snarkiness is all mine, that he's perfect and right and good. And when I'm upset like that, he's not mad at me. Later on, when I think about that prayer, and I think about how full of self-pity I was, 
I just laugh. And I'm just like, oh, Lord, you are so kind to me. <laughs> like, you are so good. I'm so sorry. And he responds to me, and he says, I know. I know that it's been hard. And I know that you've been struggling. And I do see you flopping around like a fish. But you're not a fish. And I'm not far from you. And I've got you. That was his response to that prayer. He was not mad at me. It was such a win. It is such a win whenever I can go to God and be me. All my sass, all my spice. He's not afraid of me because he knows me and he loves me. So it's from this position of being really loved, of knowing it, of trusting in the character of God that I really learned. I learned to really pray. Recognizing his unfailing goodness, surrendering to his unrelenting love. Last week I talked about how much I fought being loved. It's so uncomfortable to receive love when you're not, when you don't, when you're not skilled, unskilled in receiving love. I could, I'd, I could ask for a show of hands, but I know that there are people who are unskilled at receiving love because it doesn't feel safe. You can't trust. So I, I fought that fight, and at some point you have to relent. Because God's love is unrelenting. He'll win. Tethering to Jesus so that I can be changed in the presence of God. And it's this faith that changed the way I prayed. And it changed the effectiveness of my prayers. Effective prayers are prayers that say, God, I know who you are and I know what you can do. And this is who I am and this is where I am. And this is what I need. They're honest prayers. And so when we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven, it starts here. It's, it has to be done in us first. His kingdom begins for us in humility, in salvation, in redemption, through grace. And do you see how if it begins in us, we have to loop right back around to Jesus. It's a loop. We just have to loop right back around to Jesus. It's the foundation of the gospel message. Have we strayed from the good news of it? Feels that way sometimes. Circles right back around to the Father, to reverence, to awe, to worship, to Jesus. That is how his kingdom comes and his will will be done. Because the minute I feel like I'm killing it, the minute I feel like I'm slaying, life is good, I sound an awful lot like that Pharisee. I cannot forget his mercy. I cannot forget that point of hope and light that saved me. I didn't earn it. I didn't deserve it. That was Jesus. I grabbed hold of it, and I am so thankful that he never let me go. There were times, there were so many times that I walked back away. So I'd make some progress with God. I'd make some progress at renewing my mind and, and getting my believing right and trying to, trying to get it rooted and grounded so it would make a difference in my actions is work but I would just get so frustrated and so tired and I would walk away and I would be angry and I would so I'm not I'm not saying this doesn't happen even now but now when I hear it I know I know exactly where the problem is it's always with me sometimes that's annoying whatever I know it's me tell me what my problem is I know it's not you it's never you it's snarky um I'd walk away and I'd say what do you want from me when I start, I, sometimes I feel that way about my kids or my husband. Whatever, man. What do you want me to say? You just give me the words so that you'll leave me alone. Makes you happy, you can walk away and leave me alone. Snarky, angry, untrusting, feeling attacked. What do you want from me? Nothing I do is good enough. And I'd walk away. And there were so many lies of the enemy, but that his love and that light of hope did not go out. He did not leave me. And what I love is that all the work and all the healing and all the good that he had done in my life, it didn't, it didn't retract. He didn't take it from me. He just waited. He was never mad. He was never punishing. He was full of hope. He was cheering me on. He would move on the hearts of believers to show me love so that I could feel it. Because he knew I had struggled to feel it from him. I had some mountains to move, some things to get past. But he would move on the hearts of believers. We are his hands and feet. There are people who need to feel his love. And the only way they're going to feel it is through us. Because that's where they are. 
He needs us to see beyond outward appearances. And so in my story, you know, the most impactful believer in my life was my husband. And I've told this story before. Jason was pursuing me. He was in love. I was a challenge. I was spicy and sharp. And he likes a challenge. And he was smitten. And then I dumped him on a Tuesday over the phone while he was at work. <laughs> yep. Looking back at it, I think it was a test. I think that it was, it was a, this feels like love to me. And I don't think I can, I don't think I'm worthy. First of all, I don't think, I don't want that. I don't want love. Love is dangerous. Love is a lie. I mean, the things that you learn when you grow up in a certain ways and you experience certain things. Um, it was not awesome. And uh, that was on a Tuesday. By Friday, I knew that I had made a terrible mistake. Um, the guy I had been dating before, he literally came to my house crying, wanted me back, and I was like, sure, you are no threat to me. <laughs> like, you are not going to challenge me in any way. You're not going to push me to grow spiritually, and you're definitely not going to try to love me like Jesus, so we're good. So on Friday, I realized, oh, what have I done? And I call the Ackerman house. And I, later, my mother-in-law told me that phone rang, and Jason answered it. And they were in the middle of dinner. And he walked over, and he was just like, yeah, I got to go. And that's a big deal for him to, like, walk away from dinner. Um, I asked him to come meet me at the park. I wore something super cute. And, uh, and I just, we sat on a bench, and I told him I was sorry. It's like, I'm, I'm so sorry. I don't know why I did what I did. Uh, it's not really what I want. And I was ready. I was ready. I think I almost wanted him to not be the love that I was afraid he had. Like, I wanted, get me off the hook. Um, but his response in that moment changed everything. It shifted something massive on the inside of me because he said, it's okay. The same thing God said to me last week. It's okay. He said, it's hard to start something new. It's easier to go backwards to something that you're used to than it is to go forwards. I get it. I get it. He's like, well, I mean, Tuesday was rough, but it's okay. That's, that's all he said. Tuesday was rough. That was a tough day at work, but it's all right. I understand. And then he wanted to go get hot dogs. But what is important to see is he responded. He responded to my heart. He responded to my heart, and he applied unearned grace to my behavior. Do you see that? He was Jesus. He was Jesus. I deserved something else, and I was ready for it. I wanted to be punished. I wanted him to be mean to me. I know, I know that sounds crazy, but if you've, if you've ever experienced any kind of long-term dysfunction, sometimes you just are comfortable with what you're comfortable with. And love was not something I, like real love, sacrificial love, like I just wasn't comfortable with it. He responded to my heart and he applied unearned grace to my behavior. He didn't make me pay. He didn't make me grovel. It was a show of the grace of God like I had never experienced before. All of the friendship and the goodness that we established between us wasn't lost. And church, he could have gotten offended. He could have cast me aside. He could have thrown me away. But he looked through the eyes of grace, and there was treasure on the other side. He saw a treasure in me. There is always treasure on the other side of grace. There is always treasure on the other side of God's love. But treasure is this thing that you have to work to get. And the work that has to be done is in our own hearts so that we're ready, so that we can apply that supernatural grace. We can practice it. Man, I've had to practice it. Because before you can apply it, you have to receive it. So, I mean, I was like behind. We have to cry out in prayer with all earnestness. Earnestness saying, God, do your work in me. It starts with me. And so once you've done this and you've, you've uh, gone to the Father and you've dealt, with, you've dealt with the Father issues, you know that he's good. You come to him like he's good. You treat him like he's good and faithful. You come to him that way, and you stand in his presence, and you loop back to Jesus with the good and the bad, always Jesus in worship. And you go in with humility. You go with honesty, and you, you do the work on the inside of you. You receive grace. You give grace. Well, then you begin to become aligned. There's this alignment that begins to take place. And the spirit of the living God begins to stir in his power. 
So this is like, wait, yeah, this power begins to well up on the inside of you. And faith begins to rise up like a flood. And then you come into, give us this day our daily bread. And again, there's honest, you, you have to be honest. If you are in fear, just say, God, I'm afraid. I'm afraid that people are going to break into the house at night and I'm not going to be able to hear it and bad things are going to happen to my family. God, I'm afraid. You, you can't, he's, he, you, he can't minister to that and free you from the fear if you just pretend like you're not afraid and quote Psalm 91 over and over and over in vain repetition. So I'm not knocking what you do because I used to lay in bed and that was my fear for many years. It would keep me up at night and I would quote Psalm 91 over and over until I fell asleep. I never got free from fear in that method. The method that got me free from fear is when uh, I was like, God, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, because I, I kept apologizing for being afraid, and the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, stop apologizing to me and fight. Okay, okay. And I began, so when I would have these fear imaginations, um, I'd imagine someone coming in the house and awful things happening, I began to change them. I would change them to faith imaginations and someone would break in and they'd come into my bedroom and I would stand up in the bed and be like, be saved in the name of Jesus. And they would fall to their knees and they would get saved. Because it's my imagination. I can make whatever I want happen. It's true. Once I took authority over my own imagination and the devil would come with these fear imaginations, I've attended Jason's funeral more times than I can count. Once I allowed love in, I was so terrified to lose it that he went on a business trip in the first year that we were married, and Pastor Dan Stauffer was up here singing, and Joni was over here doing, oh my gosh, I love those days. Those are awesome days of ECF, and Jason and I used to sit right there. If you've been here long enough, you know we would sit right there, and he went on a business trip, and I, I had an emotional breakdown. I didn't understand what was happening. I didn't know. I was terrified. I mean, I... I called my mom. She's like, Liz, you got to get a hold of yourself. I, abs- I called him in New York. He's like, babe, I can't come home. And I-, I was terrified that I would lose him. Because now that I've let someone love me, what happens if it goes away? I'm going to have to go back to my old life. That's how, I mean, whew, that's how much God has changed me. That's how, that's how powerful the gospel is. That's how powerful looping back into Jesus is. And coming to the Father and f- getting rid of that block, I mean, it will change you completely. But I, I mean, I used to attend his funeral usually while folding laundry. I wouldn't realize it was happening until I was halfway in it, picking songs. And I had to take hold of that imagination. I mean, I haven't attended his funeral since, hold on, since like 2006. It was like the last time, it was when I got free. It was when I got free, and I just began to change the imagination. I began to see him. He looks like Mr. Rogers. He's very, very old. He has a zip-up sweater, and he's got patches, patches on his elbows. And he is so cute. And all the girls take care of him, and he's got lots of grandbabies. And I said to myself, Liz, God has protected him from the day he was born, and God will keep him until the day he dies. That's what got me free. I had to let go of it, but I had to find a way. Okay, none of that's in my notes. But you come into an honest conversation, and if I'd never been honest with God and said, I'm afraid. And sometimes we we build these structures in church or these ways of talking where you're not allowed to say, I have a headache. Well, the truth is I have a headache. The fact is I have a headache. The truth is, is I have power over this headache and I want this headache to go and I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to say no in the name of Jesus to this headache. So, but it starts with acknowledging a headache exists. There's pain in my head. Let's deal with it. God, how should we deal with it? Should I have a faith imagination of Jesus coming to me and healing me? That worked one time. I was so sick after eating fried chicken and I was pregnant and the pain was acute. He was asleep next to me. It was so bad. Oh, and I didn't want to go to the hospital and I thought I had food poisoning and I kept praying and I kept trying all the things just to make the prayer work, right? What's the point of praying if it doesn't work? I wanted to be effective. And so I began to imagine Jesus far off and I yelled out, Jesus, Jesus. And I imagined him coming to me, walking to me through the crowd and I imagined him touching me. I stood up, ran to the bathroom. The problem was solved in like under two minutes. Resolved. I went to bed, I went to sleep. Okay, that's not in my notes. We gotta be honest about the problem and we gotta solve the problem with Jesus. How do, you want, how do I pray about this? Not going in the same way or just saying the same vain repetition. So we get to give us this day our daily bread and this faith that's been rising, it floods in and our spirit aligns and we can say, I'm afraid of this and God, we need this and this bill needs paid. But that faith has risen up and then the but gods come. 
But God, I know that you're with me. God, I know that you are my provider and you're going to provide all things. But God, I know that cancer has to go in Jesus' name because you're the healer. All those but gods, they begin to flow. And they don't begin to flow. You're speaking out with power, but it's not because you're supposed to. It's not because you know that that's like, well, let me try this. You're not trying to believe. You're not desperate. It's flowing out of the Holy Spirit. It's flowing out of you because at this point, you've been united with God the Father through Jesus. You've been honest. You've been humble. Your mind and your will and your emotions have come into line with the word and the truth. There's no trying. It's real. It's organic. It's flowing out of the heart of God and it's flowing straight into you. And so you cry out, God, give me you today. Give me my daily portion of you for all the things. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. God, here I am. And I I am struggling with sin. Father, let me see the death and the destruction hiding behind it. Because I don't want to partner with sin. I want to turn away. I want to repent. And I want to walk away from the things that lead to death. Forgive me, God. Save me anew again and again. Forgive us our debts. I trust in you, Jesus. As we forgive our debtors, as we forgive those who trespass against us, God, the people. The people, God. I'm just being honest. Some people love people, and it's easy for them, and people love them. Some people love people, and it's just harder. Help me to forgive them, God. And I'm talking about real stuff. Now, I know I'm being funny. It's hard to forgive people and release them when they have hurt you. It is hard to release people when they've thrown you away. Have you ever been thrown away by somebody? I've been thrown away by people where I've, I'm, I'm expressing my heart. I'm living the best I can. I'm, I am doing the work, but it's not enough. It's not acceptable because they can't get past their own offense. They can't get past what they see and how they feel about it. They don't have eyes to see God at work in me. And I can't make them see that. God, there's times I've wanted to go and grovel for someone to forgive me. And he's like, Liz, you didn't do anything wrong. What are you going to ask to be forgiven for being you? He won't allow me to do it. He won't allow me to make that bad feeling go away by doing that. I have to live with that bad feeling. And I have to forgive the people and go through Jesus. God, I release them to you. I release them to you, God. They've rejected me and hurt me, God, but help them to see you, God. Save them. Bless them. Deliver them, God, from the plans of the enemy at work in their life. God, I release them to you. Work in them. For them. And as I'm praying for people, as you're praying for people, you're feeling the things, okay? Um, if It's an election year. You're praying for people. You're praying against evil in the world. What keeps you from crossing over and and wanting the same evil? Um, There's somebody here, I think, that he shared it publicly, but it was like so upset over what was happening in Israel that began to rejoice when there would be reports of Hamas deaths. And the Holy Spirit checked him. I mean, it's... I mean, as soon as the Holy Spirit was like, do you see that? I mean, he ran right back over. I was like, oh, God, yeah. Let them know you, God. I mean, it changes. So we have to pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Because there's powerful and effective stuff being happening in this Lord's Prayer. And the enemy will come and try to tempt you away from powerful and effective prayers. We've done so much work from the Our Father. All the way down, you see looping back around and around and if you've gotten to this point he is the devil is going to come and try to tempt you and he's going to be doing it in those ways that are sneaky I mean he's not going to tempt you to steal a candy bar he doesn't care about that he'll tempt you to be mean to your wife I mean yeah that's not good but he's tempting you into death through self-righteousness through contempt for the sinner So we have to pray, God, let me not be tempted into the ugliness of the world. Let me not be tempted into judgment over others. Let me not be tempted to look upon others with contempt for their sin. Because it is so not Jesus to look at people with contempt for their sin. And we feel, well, they deserve it. That's that's a problem. I deserved it. You deserve it. If we're going into the, the realm of deserve, it's going to get 
real ugly and real uncomfortable for all of us real fast. It's God, I feel like they deserve it. But God, help me to be Jesus and help the evil men to be stopped. We can pray against evil. Deliver us, God, from the evil one. Deliver us from offense, from self-righteousness, hatred, anger, rage, depression, anxiety from all the works of the enemy, worry and fear. Father, keep us from evil. And so, as you come into this, it doesn't get easier. You, you, we go through the Lord's Prayer, and I thought it would get easier, but it doesn't. It actually gets deeper, and it gets wider, because that faith is rising up. And now, you have these powerful and effective prayers. You've dealt with the doubt. You've dealt with condemnation. You've looped back and back and back to Jesus. And now the Holy Spirit rises up in you. You are aligned with God. And now you are praying with power. You're praying with authority and mountains are moving. You see, there's so much work that happens before you get to that part. That happens in secret. And you can then begin to operate with those effective and powerful prayers. It took me so long. I always felt so bad I wasn't good at praying. You hear that, right? I wasn't good at praying. I would pray for other people and things, but there wasn't a passion and a fervor. That all came as, I, as God walked with me through this, through the Our Father. Through the Our Father prayer. That is the, that's my testimony. That's what he walked me through. And the power and the effectiveness came. Who's on keys? Oh, Jake. Yeah? Come on up. So when I came to know that God was good and I, I stopped letting, I, I came after my sonship, my daughtership in Christ. I stopped acting like it depended on me, on my behavior, on my, my good or bad. I tethered myself to Jesus. And then, I, you know, he walked me through the, our Father, I can then go boldly into the throne room of God and I can say, God, thy kingdom is yours. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and ever. Amen. Let it be done in the name of Jesus. I had all these stories to tell today. Some of them were funny. But I'll tell you the most powerful stories are the ones when all of this came into line. And I mean, I'm just doing laundry. I'm just living my life and I'm doing the work with Jesus. And I'm not being deterred. Oh my gosh, it's so hard. I'm not, I mean, I would just get kicked down. It felt like falling down a couple steps, but I'd always get back up again. I would not be deterred by people. People, and that's why, people were my hardest thing. Because I would be, be so earnest to grow in God, and someone would be mad because I used a certain word. And I'm sitting there going, I'm trying with everything in me to stay out of condemnation. I'm trying, all of the trying. But you're upset because I didn't wear what you thought I should wear? Or because, do you know what I used to wear? So I just don't want to be that person. I don't want us to be that people. And the way we're not that people is to do the Our Father for ourselves, is to apply it to ourselves. That's how you do it. But the most amazing thing is when it started happening, God would arrest me as I'm doing laundry, and he would have me pray. There was a doctor once, Justin Dumont was doing work in Haiti, they were, had a cholera epidemic, and a doctor was taken captive, and he was imprisoned, and it was not right. And the spirit of grieving fell over me like I had never felt before. And I know Liz. She doesn't care that much about other people. She's always kind of wrapped up in her own problems. So I knew it was the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Holy smokes. And I began to pray. And as I began to pray, I knew. It's like I could see all of heaven rushing in rushing in and I knew that the man would be free and I knew it was because I laid down my laundry because the Holy Spirit fell upon me and I prayed and it's so different than when I say I'm going to pray now and I take my list and I go and I try to pray don't stop doing that if that's what you do don't stop doing that but what I'm saying is is go through the our father start start with a relationship with him start with who he is start with who he is and you'll have to go to Jesus because if you go to who he is, you can't stay who you are. You need Jesus. And that effective, powerful prayer will come and, gosh, all of heaven will open. 
because you asked in the name of Jesus. It all loops back to who he is. You guys can go ahead and stand up. Wherever you're at today, if you're stuck at our father, if you have a father block, don't let it stay. And don't, don't, don't despise yourself for it. You didn't sign up for it. You didn't sign up to have an issue. You didn't sign up. But don't let it stay. Keep going after God. God is good. But go after it. Learn it for yourself. Get in his word. If you struggle with hopelessness and shame and failure when you get to God's presence, grab on to Jesus. It's not your behavior. It's not your good behavior that he's looking at. Look at how Jesus loved. Look at how he empowered the lowly and let his love change you. You just, oh, you just fall back into his love and let him do the work. That's the key. You do the work, God. I can't stand that person. You better do the work. You don't think I've prayed? I've prayed that prayer, and he changes my heart. He doesn't have, I mean, he does whatever he does with that person. It's actually none of my business, and that's very freeing. He does the work in me. Let his love wash you clean. It was those people in the word who were desperate for Jesus that said, Son of David, have mercy on me. If I could just touch the hem of his coat. It was those people that received the fullness of his power. It's that kind of faith. It's the kind of faith that won't be silenced. It's faith that is stubborn. It's faith that rebels against reason, against condemnation. It's faith that won't shut up. It won't sit down. It's faith that always puts it back on Jesus, goes all in on Jesus. That is the faith that breaks strongholds. That is the faith that moves mountains. If you're a seasoned believer and you've lost that passion or fervor, or grace, or love, then you need to return to the hollowed presence of God and remember your wretchedness apart from Jesus. You've got to sit in it. You've got to ask him to remind you. You've got to ask him to tear down all that you've done. Oof. Take it all, God. All the good things I've done, take it from me so that I can have all of you. That's a tough prayer. Pray for... Pray that he would reignite your passion for the lost and the broken and hurting and give you eyes to see them, the humility to serve them and to show them Jesus, that you could be that believer that helps someone experience God and make that seismic shift in them, that they would experience his kingdom and his will through you. All right, let's pray. Father God, I just pray that you would transform us today, that you would transform us from glory to glory, that we would see your kingdom expand on this earth. God, I pray that you would teach us to pray, to cry out. Father, you are our good, good Father. Father, you are everything that is good and holy, everything that is grace and love. God, you are mighty and fearsome, and we are yours. You made that way. You wanted us, God, and you gave Jesus so that we can be yours. And so, Lord, here we are. We are yours. Father, grow us in your word. Bring us into alignment with truth and let nothing remain, God, that would keep us from operating in power and effectiveness as ambassadors of your kingdom. God, we want to show your love to the world Father, work in us. Let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Meet us here, God, where we stand. We put before you our needs, our cares, our struggles, our sins, our hurts. Forgive us, Lord, for the ways that we turn from you. Forgive us, God, for our pride, for wanting to do it ourselves. And save us anew again and again. Cleanse us by the blood of Jesus. Wash us in your word and redeem us with your love, God. God, we release pain to you. We release those who have wounded us. We give them into your hands. Father, 
Keep us from temptation into judgment, God. Keep us from self-righteousness and pride. And let us not be tempted away from your perfect presence. God, let us not be tempted to question your character or to forget your loving kindness. Deliver us from the lies of the evil one and from every agreement that we've made that goes against your truth. Tear down every stronghold that would seek to keep us imprisoned in the ways of sin and death and destruction. Deliver us, God, from a spirit of religion that we would not seek to save ourselves, but rather, God, we would stand steadfast only in our dependence on Jesus. It is you, God, our Father, that yours is the kingdom, yours is the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Guys, as Jake, could you just keep playing that, the chorus? I just feel that as we close... I'm going to read a quick benediction after this, but I think we should just sing that chorus. Oh, praise the name. Together as a church, Jake leading us, you don't have to sing. I'm not going to sing in the microphone. But if we could just sing that as a church out and just really put a stamp on an amazing message that God had for us today. So let's sing that together. Oh, Oh, praise the name. The name of the Lord our God. Praise his name forevermore. For endless days we will sing your praise, O Lord, O Lord our God. Church, one more time. The Bible says, now, may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of sheep, equip you now with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Guys, as we close, remember there's refreshments today in the lobby. There's some prayer teams that will be up front. If you need prayer for anything at all, I just encourage you to come and get prayer. Otherwise, let's have some time of fellowship together.